This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. The Bomb Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. There's just a lot going on this weekend between the Razorbacks, and I know we're going to talk probably more horse racing in one day than we've ever talked before, but I think a lot of people out there are still very interested and still talking about what the heck actually happened there on Saturday night. So, uh, But, yeah, it's a, it a good weekend. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not a horse racing expert. I know that's shocking to some <laughs> of you listening right now. But I had I learned more about horse racing on Saturday from this controversy than I probably ever would have before even after that controversy happened if it didn't happen. So I learned a lot. First thing, of course, I always get accused of defending the ref. So I automatically went to Twitter and said, I think the horse refs got it right. Of course you did. Just just hoping to get some, of course you would. You suck. You know, responses. Did you get that? Not one. Oh, I think you're right, Tommy. Probably because they don't know any different. Nor do I. Yeah, but they <laughs> but don't very, know that. It's very disappointing. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, that horse must have some Arkansas Razorback blood in it, that maximum security. Oh, I come on. Guarantee you, if Arkansas ever got into the college football playoff and won the national championship, something of this nature would happen. This was a Razorback-esque finish for maximum security because this is what would happen. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think in this whole time. Yep, this is like... This horse must have some deep Arkansas connections because this is exactly what would happen to us. Yep. No, 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 no. You didn't win the title. Let me yank that right back out of your arms here. We're going to some kind of playoff review. You've had something I mean, that hasn't happened in the history of the Derby or right. in the history of well, college football. And for service, the, for the trainer, and if, I mean, it's going to be their first Kentucky Derby win. I mean, the, the grandest prize in all of, of horse racing. And... It's it's in your arms. Mm-hmm. You have won, and then they rip it away from you. I'm just telling you, that's all I could think about during that moment. This is exact. Arkansas would score like the go-ahead touchdown in the college football national championship game, and you think you've won the game like a walk-off touchdown. Game over. No, we're going to review it. Nope, knee was down as the ball was one half inch from the goal line or something of that nature. Something like their equipment, someone's equipment was busted or wasn't up to code, so you had to throw a flag on them. Yeah, something like that. But, it, you know, it's just crazy because obviously we talked about the Kentucky Derby a lot on Friday, and it's always just one of those event things. Even if you don't watch horse racing ad nauseum, even if oh. you're not a horse racing fan, the Kentucky Derby is an event that everyone just watches. And I think my favorite part about it is that you know when it starts, so you don't have to watch all the build-up and all the, the the pomp and circumstance leading up to it. You can just tune in right when the yeah, race you, starts, and then it's over in a couple minutes. You think that the Super Bowl has a long oh pregame show. The Kentucky Derby is worse. I mean, I know everything about those jockeys and horses. Yeah. I mean, because well, they go into every single detail they possibly can about gotta, it. Got to get those ads in to, uh, to pay for, for the two-minute race you're going to watch. But, yeah, I mean, we watched quite a bit of the lead-up, and... Um, <laughs> even I even went as far as to get the I got the Oakland Anywhere app downloaded on my phone, so that way I could, you know, all of a sudden I was 
capable of betting a couple of the races right before that. So that was fun. Not profitable, but fun. <laughs> and then, of course, it all came down to the Derby. And, um, I, I, you know, who could have who could have forecasted or foreseen? And there was a few out there that thought something wild was going to happen, but they, they didn't know anything like this was going to happen, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, objections happen in horse racing. I mean, if you go to Oakland or anything like that, you... You see objections just happen in, in random yeah. races. They don't take 22 minutes to sort out. Yeah, and that's when I think most people knew that this was not just like some run of the mill. Oh, no, yeah. hey, this is this will be over in a second. Like this. No, this one had a huge impact on the race. Well, so they had to make sure that they got it right. I am always about getting it right. That's take right. as long yeah. as you need. But, you know, no one was complaining about the length of this replay. There were some people, but I was like, I have zero problem. Take, take know, as long as you need. And I and all I could think about also was you know people want to gripe and complain about the length of a review in a basketball game or a football game yeah but you know no one was really up in arms about how long it, it was riveting tv it was i mean riveting. how could you how could you turn the channel and not be watching i mean th- this was just unbelievable drama unfolding there at Churchill. Mm-hmm. And can we also give a lot of credit? I know that he probably won't get as much as he deserves, but Mike Tarico, man, that guy's one of the best in the business right there. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that, like, because here's the thing, you know, you think that as a broadcast, you just run, you just call the race and it's over, but you're telling you have to fill in time and talk about well, stuff going on. And during that, they got a few of the facts wrong about who was filing objections, and but, but it was hard to know exactly what was going on down there, um, on the track as the stewards were talking to the jockeys on the phone and yeah again unless you're a deep inside horse racing person it was just really hard to figure out and i saw the veer and, and the movement as the and made come but i had it backwards i thought the other horse had come up so i thought man that horse came in and bumped maximum security i thought i, thought, I had it the other way that's how much i know about it i had it, i had it completely backwards well and i'm just gonna be honest because i saw it as a turn for home that bump and that movement and the horse move over, but, but, I, I, you know, I don't know enough about it. That even when I saw it, I didn't know what I was seeing. Well, see, and that was the thing is like just to be honest about it, I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know what the controversy was. I didn't know that well, that was illegal. Like I really did not listen, know. If I'm being honest, you got about any it. idea how many, what the value of those horses on that track were? I'm sure a lot, tens of millions of dollars in, I, you know, it, it, the the market value for that that group of horses. And if hills clip, a horse goes down, you have a pile up there, and you end up with the biggest tragedy you've ever seen in the sport. And maybe one of the biggest tragedies in all of sports. Because if you had a pile up there, horses would die. Yeah. And that's why they have these rules. I understand how. Yeah. You know, because it keeps the riders safe, it keeps the horses safe, it keeps everyone involved, um, you know, to use the t- in their lane. You know, and and that's ultimately why these rules exist that that few of us understand, and the stewards had to enforce. I tell you what, Barbara Borden, she probably had has the most knowledge, and she's the one that ultimately uh, was Chief, able to address the objection. Chief steward. Now yes. you say, what's a steward? Stewards are the referees. <laughs> yes, they have them in Oakland. They have them at Churchill. Any track has a a group of stewards. They are the officials. They are the referees, and but they're called stewards in horse racing. She is she was the crew chief, if you will. The white hat, mm. the referee, she was in charge of the stewards. And she's the best one to explain exactly what happened and why it happened. The riders of the 18 and 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby 
lodged objections against the seven horse, the winner, uh, due to interference, turning for home, the interference for poll. Um, we had a lengthy review of the race. We interviewed affected riders. Um, we determined that the seven horse drifted out and impacted the progress of number one, in turn interfering with the 18 and 21. Um, those horses were all affected, we thought, by the interference. Uh, therefore, we unanimously determined to disqualify number seven and place him behind the 18, 18 being the lowest placed horse that he bothered, which is our typical procedure. Big personality on Babs there, by the way. Uh, very monotone, but you know, she, but she's like, the way that she explained it. I mean, again, no, that's exactly how you need to come out and deliver a message of that nature. Like that's because, that's how I feel like it was like, hey, it's just you. May, obviously, she knows, so that's you, the way it's going to be. Because her decision changed six-figure fortunes for owners, jockeys. I mean, the jockey gets roughly a hundred and forty thousand before their expenses in this. The winning jockey now the jockey of maximum security. Let's say he's uh, at zero. I mean, so you have to be very certain, not, not just, I mean, because I think first and foremost, it's the, it's the responsibility of the officials to take care of the horses, the jockeys, the trainers, the owners, the people that have a real vested interest. And then the second group is obviously the betters that make all of this possible, you know, but that decision changed a lot of, a lot of fortunes, you know, because now you're talking about the the winning prize was what one point eight million or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so you know, it was the purse for the Kentucky Derby, and, and if, it's, if that's the full purse, it's sixty percent goes to the winner. I mean, and then it's all the horses down get a share of the uh, of the prize money as well. So you're changing a lot of things. You want to be absolutely right. This is why I don't bet. You're not having money on this one. No, See, it, it didn't matter to me if <laughs> I if, did not. If, Country House, or Ma- I didn't have either of those horses on my tickets. So I needed both of them disqualified and a few others disqualified to get me where I needed to be. No. But well, didn't happen. Fortunately, not. But there are, I know that there are some people that I oh, know yeah. personally that were irate, throwing their tickets up in the air, tearing them apart. I mean, it was. It was quite a call. Don't tear your ticket up until it's official. Yeah, because I, I, I'm curious how many people probably threw their ticket away when they had Country House winning. And it's, yeah, well, it was a good run. And then, oh, crap, they had to go get back into the trash can and get it real quick. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, a light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, home! We're talking about the Razorback baseball team and getting the series victory over Kentucky over the weekend, and now they just have two SEC series left in the regular season, of course, against LSU and Bomb Stadium this weekend, and then next weekend they travel to College Station on the Texas A&M Aggies. And we were also discussing the race for the regular season title in the SEC is essentially between Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Right. I know that a lot of things can happen, but those are the two clubhouse leaders. Vanderbilt is 18 and six in conference, technically holds a one game lead over Arkansas, right. who is 17 and seven and the tiebreaker and the tiebreaker and Vanderbilt. For those of you who are wondering who they have left on their schedule, because Arkansas has A&M, LSU and A&M do really good, great teams, two top 20 or so teams. Yeah. Vanderbilt has Missouri this weekend. And then Kentucky the next weekend. So not not as difficult a road no. 
ahead of them. As, Missouri's a decent team. Yeah. Kentucky's bad. So it's going to be tough for Arkansas. Kentucky's not the worst, but they're not very good. Well, they're second. It's second worst behind Bama. Well, Bama's R- the worst. RPI-wise, Bama and South Carolina are worse. But yeah. If you're going by RPI. Actually, yeah. it's, wow, it's amazing. I'm, South I'm, Carolina was 71 going into the weekend. I'm about to say, I'm looking at the standings right now. South Carolina's 5-19 and 19 in right. conference play, 24-23 and 23 over. What it's happened? It's a national Bama? championship program. Yeah. It just makes you wonder what happened to them. And same thing with Texas. My goodness. They may not even make their own conference tournament. I know that breaks the hearts of all the Razorback fans out there that Texas may not make their own conference tournament because they're so bad. But uh, it's just funny how baseball... It's actually not good for Arkansas, you know? Since, I guess, technically they played and... I mean, you, for your RPI, you want them to actually. Well, right, yes, yes, but you know, it's not, you're more concerned. But I'm not going to shed any tears. No, on no, the no, 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 no. You're not going to be sad or anything like that. But Arkansas technically holds a two-game lead in the SEC West. Arkansas being at 17 and seven in conference play. Mississippi State and Ole Miss both at 15 and nine. LSU is actually third at 14 and 10 in conference play. So you face them this weekend. You're just hoping that this this weekend, because it seems like all the stars are aligning for this weekend to finally be the weekend where you get that series victory over LSU. You have not beaten LSU in a regular season series since 2011. That's eight years ago. Well, I mean, Arkansas is the better team, but there's been other times between between 2011 and now where Arkansas has been the better team that came up short. so Like last year. I I take nothing for granted. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Take no big lead in the seventh inning for granted. No, no, because, uh, yeah, I I don't know if it was last year or the year before last. may have been the year before last where Arkansas won game one, had a huge lead in game two, and uh, choked it away, and then LSU won game, both game two and game three. So, you know, you're hoping that that's not a situation that it ends up playing into the hands of. But either way, just from the weekend and the performance... I mean, as far as things sticking out and takeaways, you know, you pretty much got what you expected for the most part. Obviously, you wanted to win all three games and get a series sweep, but, you know, game one was was a tough, hard-fought battle. Isaiah Campbell pitched well, of course, but, you know, it, nothing came easy there. And it just, I think that from all the takeaways that you had, or at least from what I saw from fans, it was about these two seven-inning games. Because... Obviously, when weather gets into play and it becomes a factor in baseball, as SEC schedules or just any conference schedule, you got to be able to make sure that you find a way to get all the games in. You can't cancel any games or anything like that. So it's pretty common that if you can't play on Saturday in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, you move both games to Sunday and play a doubleheader. It's not that uncommon. But a lot of Razorback fans were upset at the fact that there's two seven-inning games. How how in the world do you have conference games not go oh. nine innings if you can do it, if you can make it work, and if you can help it? And, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things that... When you have to play a doubleheader on the final day from the beginning, when you're starting game two on the final day of a series, I believe that's the conference rule. You play two seven-inning games on the final day. Now, could you say... This rule needs to be reviewed or updated. I, I'm sure this rule was was implemented because when when a lot of these rules were set in place, nearly every team and probably probably all 12 teams at that time in the league traveled by commercial air, meaning you had to get to the airport to go through security to get on American Airlines flight number whatever by a certain time. Well, it's just I don't know how many teams fly charter now around the league. You know, this isn't a curfew deal. 
but this was a way to make sure you got all the games, two two games completed on the final day of a series. Razorback fans would not be caring about this rule well, if they I mean, won. Right. No one so would bring it up. No one would it. care a bit if that if those last two runners had crossed the plate and you won by one. But I guess my, my thing is, is I, I don't I don't see the problem with it, and it's only a problem when you lose. Because I understand, because like you said, Tommy, if it's a travel deal, I understand why you want to seven-inning games. But I also get that you feel like you're missing out on something or it feels incomplete right. when you only have two seven-inning games in SEC play. It's one thing to do it in nope. non-conference play. No but one complained about the first game Arkansas won 9-1. to one. No. They not, wouldn't. Not, no, not they don't one care. Complained, oh, it is a seven-inning game. I really wish Kentucky had, had six more outs. No. See what happens. Again, no one's complaining well, exactly. if you won both games. Exactly. I, I understand that. But just looking at it objectively, though, just from the conference perspective, well, I mean, it becomes one of those things that maybe, you have to ask yourself, maybe, like, is this the way to do it? Maybe in Destin they look at that again. I don't know. Do all 14 teams travel by private charter? You know, meaning that if their plane leaves at 5 p.m. or 7 p.m., it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough. Of, I just know how Arkansas does it. I don't know what the other thirteen schools in the league do. So you got to have a, a, a you got to have rules. But you also got to remember, yeah. Now you're in May and school's out, and you don't have to worry about it. You really want your student athletes getting back later and late. I mean, that's always going to be the argument. These are student athletes. We got to get them back in time to be fresh for class the next morning. That's always going to be brought up. Now. You get to the point of the year now where they're not in classes; they're baseball players. But that's not, you know, that, that's not generally how it's going to be looked at by administrators and presidents and chancellors and the people that actually vote on these kind of things. You know, when there's a game in March and you have to go two nine inning games on the last day and they get back at midnight, those are also some of the things that get brought into the conversation. Yeah, and again, once it gets down to it, and the regular season ends, I don't think any Razorback fans is going to look at back at the Kentucky game be like well that was crap that shouldn't have, you know that shouldn't have changed because let's be honest you got the series victory and that's what matters right you, you, you know you again, swept them when it goes your way yeah and you win these games no one complains no, then it's not it's not even a it's not even a topic that's being brought up because you know if it doesn't affect you or in, impact you negatively then it's all good yeah. rules are great yeah, love Brad, those rules Brad just wrote it no one complained last year when we swept South Carolina into seven inning yeah, back-to-back no, games I mean, no one cared Oh, it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter at all. But that's this way fans are, yeah. and that's not just the Arkansas. That's everywhere. If you had won one of three, I'd probably be a little more feisty about this conversation. Yeah, you won two of three again. You just keep winning two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. You know, everything's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I'm, I don't feel like Arkansas got shortchanged on anything. No. No, I, I don't think so either. But they have six regular season games left, folks. Again, LSU and A&M are the only games remaining in the regular season. You have no midweek games, which is kind of crazy because most of the other SEC teams still have midweek games to play, but Arkansas is done with that. So with six games left, Tommy, how many of them does Arkansas win? Based on what you've seen, who they're playing, where they're playing them. I'd like to say four. I'd like to. Th- I'd like to think you win... Two of the next three in the next two weekends. I, I, I think the A&M series, even though it's on the road, Arkansas played well on the road this year. They have. And Dave Van Horn kind of has that, that Saban factor when he plays former assistants. They just don't beat him very often in series. They just 
he seems to have the the the, the, the previous assistant coaches that have been on his staffs that are that he has to face, and Childress is one of them. This doesn't have a problem beating those guys. It's like Saban always beats his former assistants. So I'm not as concerned. I'm more concerned about the home stand, the, the final regular season home series here with LSU than I am about that final weekend with A&M. What's well, a bigger series for multiple reasons? And I think that it, you know, for, for Razorback just, fans, I'm just they saying from difficulty to to get out of there yeah. with a series win. I mean, I so you know if they can win four of the last six, they you know they're going to have a heck of a conference record. I think they win the West, and that's that's what this is about: is win the mm-hmm. West. I think the Western Division champion is. It's just a matter of which of the eight seeds. It's not if, it's which of the eight top eight national seeds. I think at that point, your RPI is going to put Arkansas somewhere between they're either going to get the three, four, or five national seed. Because mm. UCLA is going to get the one. Vanderbilt's going to get the two. Arkansas, if they do that, probably it'd be three or four, be yeah. my guess. Yeah, because I think that if you win the next two series, you have a national seed regardless of SEC. I tournament think you'll play. either be three or four, depending on what happens elsewhere around the country and you better start making your plans for a regional and possibly a super regional bomb stadium and having a party over oh there. absolutely i mean they're gonna host a regional now well, yeah they're, they're, yeah no matter so that's, what that's not a problem it's whether you're going to be guaranteed a spot as a super regional host and i just think if you win that that's what's at stake for arkansas yep. you win four of the next six i believe at that point you're western division champions i think mathematically that's how it works because they've still got, what, two-game lead? Yeah, the only way it happens is if Mississippi State and Ole Miss, one of the two, Ole Miss would winning have, all six of Ole Miss would have to win them eating. all, and then they would have the tiebreaker. That's right. Mississippi State would not have the tiebreaker, no, but Ole Miss would. Would not. That's right. So Ole Miss would have to win all six. Arkansas would have to win, I guess, three of six to not be in a tiebreaker. So you win four, you, win, you win five. Four, you, you win five, it's, it's, it's over. Yeah. You win five, it's over. If you win four, more you, than you, likely you got it. But the odds of Ole Miss going 6-0, and oh, pretty slim, too. But I don't yeah. know who they play. Well, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They have Mississippi State this weekend. Not going to win. All, no, and no. Tennessee at the end. So, nope. No. I don't see it happening either. No. Nope. Four or six, folks. Just win four or six. Win four of six, you, you win the it. West. You're either the three or the four seed nationally. Yep, that's what you're dealing with. What right I believe. Now. No, I'm right, right with you there. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. The new beer of the summer. With a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays. Fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. I actually get, like, actually offended when people try to give me directions instead of just giving me well, the address to put in my phone. People at that particular location would try to turn and go into the Cracker Barrel parking lot thinking you could access right. Crabtree RV, which you cannot get to their parking lot that way. Right. No, and I'm not saying, like, what you said about Crabtree right. RV is, but I'm saying when, like... Because I've someone, done that. I made that mistake when someone, well, For instance, when someone says, all right, here's the address of where we're going to be, or here's we're at this mm-hmm. restaurant here... here Okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down Rogers Avenue, and you're going to drive all the way down there. You're going to take a left. No, no, no. Give me the address. I got a phone, an iPhone. Well. I put it in. It, it drives me crazy. And maybe it's the, because I'm the, millennial. That's the millennial yeah, way. I knew it was going to yeah. be under the So if, if I offended millennials by saying that? No, I hope Turn left by the Taco Bell. And then <laughs> let <laughs> yeah. me give it again. Hey, that would be fine. I'm and here I, to offend. I, I I'm an equal offender, I, uh, equal opportunity offender. <laughs> again, I have no problem with that, Tommy. It's when there's like four or five or six different turns that they give you. you turn left. And then and you then turn you look right. look for the house that's got the big windmill in front. 
Yeah. And when you see that, go two more houses and then turn right. And you're going to see a shed with Rufus painted on the side. And then, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's what drives me crazy. And, and maybe it is a millennial that's in me. No, the, 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 the true millennial would say, drop me a pin. Yeah, drop me a pin. Drop me a pin. Oh yeah, that's that. I'm what? glad you, Tommy. I am impressed. You know that term. Shut up. No, I'm serious. Like that drop is something. Drop you a pin. No, that's serious. I'm serious. Uh, like I, I know. that's that's pretty impressive for I, you. I have air quotes dropped a pin before, but it only took me about. I could have drove there faster than how long it took me to figure out how to share my location. <laughs> Now that I do believe. Yeah, now that you know that that makes a little more sense. But either way, maybe it's the millennial in me. I don't know how you guys survived going on road trips with maps. Like, what I agree was that, with that about? How? Because like I've been, I was in Kansas City last weekend, not this past one, the one before, and different places. We're going to some different gyms and stuff, and you got you have the how did you how did we find anything when we traveled and didn't know the lay of the land, didn't know the exits, didn't you know? I and you know. had maps, and you had to. You know, I remember when I first started, you would you didn't have it in your phone, and you could, if you had some money, you could buy one of them very expensive, primitive Garmin units. You would you yeah. know, suction cup to your glass, and no one ever cleaned the residue from the from the suction cup on but the windshield. You would go to something like Map, may have been MapQuest back then. I don't know, you'd yeah, Navigator, MapQuest, yeah, and you would print out your yes, you would print, and that was like high tech when you printed out your instructions rather yeah. than the map. Yeah, well, because I, as a like when I was really young, my dad was really he knew a lot of the major highways because he traveled a lot, so that was helpful. But I do remember we had like a map of each state, it was like a book, a big old book where each page was a different state with all the highways and stuff. But that's one of the things I think about because obviously with technology and the way it's developed, we're spoiled. But from legitimately, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how anyone like what did you do. How did you find like when if somebody said, hey, we're going to be at this restaurant this time and, and you're new to the area or you don't you're not very familiar with it. What did you do? How did you find it? I guess you pulled over to the gas station and asked for directions. I mean, that, it's just one of those weird things, man. I, I, can't, I can't imagine how you did that. Yeah, people. My dad owned a convenience store for 20 years and you'd be in there. People came in all the time. Looking for the road they were, I mean, the the, yeah. the, the the level of stupidity on the actual directions they would ask for. Where's Highway 59? The, the store was on, <laughs> right out there. Right sir. there. Right there. <laughs> Looking for Van Buren. You're in it. <laughs> that would be the times it'd probably yeah. be pretty frustrating yeah. is, is when people ask that. Let's go to the, fan, uh, the phone lines. Mark is in Van Buren. What's going on, Mark? You there, Mark? Paging Mark. Did we lose Mark already? Mark lost his no, direction. No, you don't have his thing on, Tommy. Do I not? No. Look. Oh, that's because that's the wrong deal. Uh, Mark, we're sorry. You're on E5 the air now. <laughs> here. Oh, okay. Mind. You can hear me now? We got you. Pushing the wrong button. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, just going to make a comment uh, about, you know, as far as getting for, to Lavaca and everything, everybody knows the old the old thing down there, hang a ride at the Budweiser can. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Not the Budweiser, you know, the Greenwood, you know, that's one thing. You can always say, and yeah, if you go to Lavaca, you better I, hang a left, or you're going to end up in Greenwood, which is not. Yeah, Lavaca. I'm sorry, Greenwood, not yeah. Lavaca. Yeah. I apologize for that. But um, <laughs> the comment I wanted to make about being the millennial and everything. I'm 30 years old. I'm classified as millennial too, and I'm kind of like you, Tommy. I'm sitting there, and I will tell people, hang a ride at the old Red Barn and sitting out in yeah. the pasture yeah. and everything else. You know, I don't sit there and say you got to hang around. I might sometimes use a street, but I'll also reference something too. Whenever I give directions, saying you know, hang around here at this place, you'll see a 
old red barn off in the distance. It looks like it's about to fall down. Well, they're called landmarks, down. you know. Yeah, landmarks. Landmarks. Mm-hmm. Give me some landmarks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys. Thanks, thanks. Hey, just don't, don't, just don't drop me a pin. Appreciate know? it, Mark. Mark's my age, and he's given directions that way. That's right. I wouldn't eat, Listen. And this is, I'm going to completely make a fool of myself more so I do it all the time anyways, but I'm going to do it again. I literally don't know where anything is at in the state of Arkansas. Ever. I just. What do you mean? Well, it's just like, I know how to get on 49. I know 40. Anything so off of that, you need to take 62, I know 30. If I told you you need to take 62, 412. No clue. And head over to towards Salem on the mm. other side of Mountain Home. No clue. You can't, I, I, don't know, you, I, I would have to, if I didn't have I, my how phone. How would I ever get you to Gaston's in? My phone. <laughs> That's, I'm, I mean, I'm not but what choking. Would you do I'm your relying phone on it. It, What would you do if the battery went dead on your phone? Use my or, iPad. <laughs> or you were driving down the road and you spilled your beer on your, I mean, your, your Coke on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you do then? And your phone quit working. Well, your iPad doesn't, unless you're, uh, you're a hoi polloi, yours has cellular service on your iPad? I, I would pull over and uh, find and a Starbucks what? that has Wi Fi. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's no Starbucks and flipping. So oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the Starbucks and flipping. Or Cotter. Well, or Bruno. I, or, or Payette. I or get, any of those. Places. No, honestly, if there was a gas station, which I'm hoping there's at least a gas station that's down there in that I'd area, a, I'd, I'd be a Conoco. I'd have to yeah. pull over and I'd be like, sir, I am sorry. But my phone is dead. I'm a millennial. I am completely dependent on other people and technology. And I have no idea how to get to so-and-so. And here's the thing. When he would tell me, Tommy, I would have to like write down yeah. every detail. Right. So I turn at the hay bale and go, three miles? Yeah, three miles. See, I would, and then I turn at the silo. What's a silo? I'd get, I'd get upset <laughs> if he gave me landmarks, though. Yeah. I would say, no, no, no. Give me street names. He doesn't know them. I, he just knows it's you turn at the silo. I'd be lost. I'd be. Yeah. I'd be doomed. I would be absolutely doomed. It's, it's I'm going to be the death just, of all of us. We're so I dependent know. on technology. I know. It's, but it's it's just how I. It's just how we were raised, and it's what the age and what we were raised. In fact, like it's gotten to the point now. Sounds where, like an excuse. Well, it's, here's the thing. Like Can I. You, so you couldn't read a map if you had to. I mean, I could. It'd take a while, and I'd really have to study it. It's kind of like I just so opened it up. So 49 and 40 are the only major thoroughfares you really know in this state. And kind of 30. Yes. So if you had to drive without technology from here... To Dallas? To Hope. Oh, yeah, no. Prescott. No. I have no idea where those places are at. Oh, God. Sad. Well, I'm sorry. It's just, sad. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm from Fayetteville, man. Like, I, did, I never had a reason to go to those places. I know where Rabbit Ridge is at. I can get there. Sad. I'm sorry. I know. I'm, I'm letting a lot of people down right now, and I, and I really, really apologize. Really apologize. Let's go to the phone lines. Rod is on I-40. What's going on, Rod? Good morning, guys. Uh, thought I might clue you all a bit about uh, how to get across the United States without a GPS, cell phone. Yeah, you do this for a living. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for, uh, let's see, 38 years. So how far do you drive? So, uh, you call in almost every day. Are you, so where are you at generally? Oh, yeah. are you, do, do you drive local or are you coast to coast? Actually, it depends on my assignment, but right now I just drive within the state of Arkansas. But oh, yeah. it, you can put 500 miles a day on a truck in, in Arkansas and never leave it, believe it or not. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Memphis, it doesn't matter. West Memphis, you know, North Batesville, whatever. Is there uh, a worse road in America than, than, the, than the stretch of interstate between Little Rock and Memphis? I think that has got to be the worst stretch of driving known to man. There's one. Searcy, Arkansas, Interstate 67, northbound. It will beat you into oblivion. I'm, I, I'm not talking about the condition of the road. I'm just talking about the level of frustration having to drive. From Little Rock to Memphis. Oh, no. This is why no, people that, that, own planes. That's pretty much the worst, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, You're talking about the congestion that, that, and the traffic and the trucks and the... It, it is it is just... You'd rather take a beating than have to drive between Little Rock and Memphis. Now, if you take the road atlas out and get your map of the whole United States and start in the very, very west, southwest corner, you'll notice that all the roads that go north to south are odd and east to west are even. And you start with Interstate 1 and go down to Interstate 5 in California, and then you have, you know, your 35s, your 55s, your 65s from east to west, from west to east. Yeah. And, and the east to west, you have 10, 20, 30, 40. I think I'm learning more than 60 I want. 60 to 70, 90. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, everything's got a mile marker on yeah. it. And that's how we found things when I started out. Right. It was all mile marker on Interstate 30, and you had to know whether that was east or west. Well, ten four, a ten four, good buddy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I mean, that CBs. I've gotten rid of my. I don't want to hear on that CB anyway anymore because it's all trash mostly. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it really was like that. And out there in the middle of the night in the Connell Divide, you were really alone, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody, no think, phone, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think John's more lost now than he was before. Yeah. Thanks for trying, Rod. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so I'm just going to use my phone. Which which direction do the even number highways run? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> North and south. I forty runs which way? East and west. Is that an even number? Oh, I've got my odds and evens mixed go. up. You know, don't hey, listen. They didn't tell me there's going to be a test about it or anything <laughs> like that. Good grief. Well, thank you for all because we're getting tweets and we're getting phone calls on. Thank you for the information. Uh, I you know it's one of those things where you really realize how millennial millennial you are. You're millennially challenged. <laughs> Maybe that's a new. Maybe that's a new. That's a new phrase we need to coin here. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer. Let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Good morning, Tom. How was the weekend, my man? It was a. It was a fine weekend, man. Uh, hope you guys made it through the storms okay last night. Yeah, yeah we certainly did. It's a little, little moist out there, but uh, we're making it either way this morning. But it was a big weekend, especially for Razorback baseball. They get the series victory over Kentucky. Had a little bit of a, a scheduling maneuver there where they had two seven-inning games yesterday. Arkansas won game one, but lost game two. But still get the series victory. So, Tom, just overall from the weekend, what was uh, some of your biggest takeaways from the performance by the Razorbacks? Well, if you're feeling a little bit greedy, uh, they could have been up three games on everybody uh, if they had been able to come back. I mean, the seven-inning doubleheader games, okay. Uh, they blow up in the in the sixth and the seventh and, and win 9-1 to one in game one yesterday. But in the second, they really had Zach Thompson, the Kentucky ace, kind of on the ropes. And what a quandary um, uh, Mangio was in. Uh, I'm, I'm not Mangino was in Mangione was in uh, with Zach Thompson 
at 103 pitches to enter the top of the seventh. Christian Franklin works him pretty good, but he ends up, I think, striking out. And then Trevor Ezell really works him good and hits the double. And so now he's in the high, you know, he's in the one teens in pitches. And they leave him in, and a four-pitch walk to Casey Martin, and they leave him in, and then Matt Goodhart singles. And then they pull him and bring in a guy with a five-something ERA, and you're feeling like with Casey Martin at third base, so many different ways to score him from third with one out. But Dom Fletcher goes uh, hunting for a, a changeup on pitch number one and, and hits into a double play. I'm not saying they would have won the game if they had tied it right there, but, you know, if you're getting greedy, that you, that you were really close to a sweep right there. Zach Thompson's won some big games against a lot of good teams this year, so uh, they're still in great position two games ahead of Ole Miss and Mississippi State going into the weekend. Heard Phil Elson making a point in Friday's broadcast, and this was following, I think following maybe Casey Martin's inside the park home run, but he, he was talking about, and I believe at that time it was 14 triples Arkansas has, and no one comes to the plate saying, boy, I want to hit a triple here. <laughs> Phil was making, I thought, an excellent point. He's either double or a home run or just get on base. No one ever talks about triples, but the point to the conversation was, and the point to the note was, the team speed Arkansas has, that triples are a great way to indicate or measure how quick you are in your lineup with your speed on the base pass. Arkansas is 14, which is a big number. Is this, Tom, is this the fastest team, the quickest team Van Horn's ever put together? Um, It's got to be one of the. And because when you lead it off with a guy like Martin, who I, I also heard in pregame this weekend, Phil Elson asking Dave about it, and said in straight line speed that he may have had one or two other guys who were closed. But in rounding the bases, he's the fastest because he's um, he, he's just a natural at it. You see, he doesn't take big wide arcs. He uses the base to push off. He's got great acceleration, you know, coming out of the box, the whole package. And he didn't have to slide head first in the home, but he did <laughs> um, on the uh, turf, and it made for a fun looking inside the parker. Speaking with Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette right now on the morning rush. Tom, I want to ask you about seven inning games because that was kind of the thing that Razorback fans voiced their frustration about, which we still believe they wouldn't have voiced it unless they if they won both of those games. But since they lost yeah. the second game of it, yeah, people started talking about it and how it seems not only just unfair, but it doesn't feel complete because it's two seven-inning games in SEC play. What are your thoughts on the SEC and also the coaches wanting to do that type of setup, and do you think it needs to be changed? No, I don't think it needs to be changed. The, the rule is that if, it, if, if you've got to play a doubleheader on the getaway day, that you, you play two seven-inning games. They would have been at that park, think about that, two extra innings for each game, and the last two might have been wild with, with Arkansas batting in, in game two, but, um, and they might, have, they might have gotten a sweep. But that would have extended that day by, oh, gosh, I mean, what, an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. at, at least? So I get it on getaway day, um, and there's been a, there's been several around the league this year. You don't ever want to lose games, and um, and also what it does when you're talking about thinking of student athletes, it prevents pitchers from being overextended more than it could. Because um, on the same day, I mean, we've seen we've seen Matt Cronin close both ends of a doubleheader against South Carolina. It was a cold day, which worked in his favor last year. But uh, I, I would not change that right now. Yeah. 
Arkansas right now with a two-game lead in the SEC Western Division, a game behind Vanderbilt for the overall SEC lead right now. Tom, I'm of the belief if you can win four of the last six, because I don't think Ole Miss or Mississippi State will go 6-0 and in their final stretch, and Arkansas is the tiebreaker over Mississippi State. If you win four of the last yeah. six, you win the West, and I believe the Western Division champion, if it's Arkansas, is either going to be the 3-4 or, at worst, the 5 national seed. What is your opinion of Arkansas's track to be an A, a top-eight national seed, and what what will be the outcome if they win the West? In your opinion? Yeah, I think you're I think you're locked in there with a the top eight. I don't know exactly where because I don't study where you know UCLA, Oregon State, and some of these other teams that are in the running for it would would be their strength of schedule or what have you. But I'll tell you this: here's the great thing for Arkansas. Yes, LSU's coming to town this weekend. Yes, LSU's kind of had the had the hex over them, whatever you want to call it. It's been very difficult for Arkansas to win a series against these guys. Um, even when they, I think they're a better team. So uh, the good thing is Ole Miss and Mississippi State, their two closest pursuers, play each other this weekend. And it's hard to envision a sweep out of that situation. I think the series is in Oxford. Um, so you, you feel like one of the two is going to win two out of three. If Arkansas win, wins one or two of the games against LSU, then you, you really haven't, you haven't lost any ground. If they win the series against LSU, you haven't lost any ground. And then A&M, um, they've got good pitching. But, man, their their defense, uh, I saw a little bit of their game um, against whoever they were playing this weekend. They, they don't, they're not playing really good defense. I think it was Mississippi State they were playing. Um, and uh, their hitting is a little bit down. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't feel bad about Arkansas's chances of going in there and getting another series win. Yeah. So – I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, Got to get Casey Martin swinging at good pitches again. He went over eight yesterday, um, but there's enough depth in this lineup that it's it's hard to picture them going into a bad slump. Yeah, just a little RPI update. Arkansas actually dropped a spot this weekend to fourth. Mississippi State mm-hmm. is now third. Vanderbilt is is number two. And for those that uh, are wondering, LSU coming in to today at least nineteenth in the uh, in the rpi so a lot of sec at the top with vanderbilt mississippi state and arkansas all inside the top four ucla still number one yeah and, and the good thing for arkansas is they got the sweep over mississippi state so right, if they're yeah. close is that mean that's got to mean something in, in the committee's eyes uh i don't know if you want to go to hoover and not win a game but i would not want to get overextended in hoover um you know the last two years they played really deep and one year, maybe the, the, the regional at home losing to Missouri State might have hurt them a little uh, with, you know, going so deep with your pitching. But then the next year, which was last year, they went deep again, and um, it didn't seem to hurt them as they went all the way to the final game. All right, Tom, i got to switch it up with you and ask you about the Kentucky Derby over the weekend because it's been pretty controversial for the most part. Maximum security led the Kentucky Derby the entire time, looked like he got the victory but was disqualified, ended up being uh, given to Country House, who was a 65-1 to 1 odds. Just over the week, what did you make of that whole event, that whole series? First time ever in the 145 years that you've had a disqualification like this in the Kentucky Derby. Just what was your overall thought on that? Well, pretty crazy, and it wasn't much of a, a clip. Now, I have not seen the uh, a replay of how bad of a bump it was, um, but apparently it wasn't too bad. It took them 20 minutes to decide. Um I don't know if you guys saw this take, but someone tweeted this last night, and it was I thought it was pretty funny. 
said um, maximum security's bump um, wasn't wasn't uh, excessive. In fact, I would judge it about the 37th most controversial thing to happen in Louisville in sports in the last couple of years. So I think they're digging around at uh, Louisville basketball and maybe even Louisville football. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.